SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. We're talking about the cost of control and why we crave it so much on SOS Radio. Talking with Sharon Hottie Miller. She's an author. Actually, just wrote a book talking about control. I imagine the reason we write books about control is because it's something that didn't come easy to us and we learned a lot about it. (laughs) How are you, Sharon? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. So tell me your story with control. Yeah, so my husband and I have been leading a church together now for almost four years, which means more than half the life of our church has actually been in a pandemic, which I would give two thumbs down to that. Zero stars. Don't recommend (laughs) doing that at all. But that really, you know, brought out a lot of my control issues as it did for, you know, everyone really in our world for the last two years. You know, whenever we face difficult things, I think we tend to blame our reactions on the hardship, but really it has a way of just revealing what was already there. And that was true for me in the last several years. I just discovered all these control issues, not just in how I responded to the pandemic, but how I was responding to my kids because they came home and I was all of a sudden homeschooling three small children, which I am not gifted to do. And so seeing my control issues with my kids, the control issues that I felt, you know, not just about the the virus and what is it doing, but also just leading our church through a really unpredictable time and wrestling with that and realizing that this wasn't healthy, but also not really knowing how to stop. Sharon, most of us sort of wish we had a little more control over our circumstances, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you look at your day-to-day, you look at the big picture vision of what you want to accomplish in life, and you think, you know what, if I could just control these people or these situations or these processes, then I would have more peace. But you actually went through and studied anxiety stats before the pandemic and during the pandemic and kind of did a bunch of data sets to figure out, like, what skyrocketed and why Mm -hmm. when everything shut down. But talk about what you found about anxiety and control and the relationships between them. Yeah. So anxiety is caused by many, many different things. It's very complicated and complex. And so I don't want to oversimplify it. But the one thing that I did discover is that whenever we try to soothe our anxiety by reaching for control, you know, because that's very often our reflex is we, when we feel anxiety is I just need control over the situation. But whenever we try to soothe our anxiety with control, control only irritates our anxiety even more. Anytime we try to control something that we cannot control, it actually increases our anxiety rather than lessens it. And that's a big source of the problem for us is we are constantly looking to soothe our anxiety with control and it's only ratcheting it up even more. And that was a huge epiphany for me. So if we can recognize that I'm trying to soothe my anxiety by Mm -hmm. controlling things and it's not going to work, what's Mm -hmm. the better approach to addressing things that we can't control? Yeah, well, the first is just the importance of recognizing that that is what you are doing. So if we go back a couple of years to when, you know, everything shut down with the pandemic and how many of us were responding to 
the sudden uncertainty and the sudden predictability by going online and going on the internet. And that is the number one way that we actually try to feel in control in our lives is through knowledge, through information. That is where our struggle of control all began in Genesis 3 is that tree of knowledge. You know, Adam and Eve are looking for more control, more godlike status and, and stature through knowledge. And so that's what we do is we research. You know, we go online, we look for data, we look for who has an explanation for what is happening. And what we're really looking for is to feel more in control over what is happening. But because ultimately we cannot be in control over what is happening, it doesn't soothe our anxiety. It actually ratchets it up even more. And you see this all the time with people that just spend hours and hours and hours on the internet or hours and hours and hours ingesting news is these are not the most peaceful people, you know. So that's one way that control feeds our anxiety. Another form that I experience personally is whenever you're trying to control people, that is also going to create more anxiety in you. And just naming that, that that, that is what you're doing. So as a pastor, you know, we are leading through a pandemic. We are making really tough decisions. We are oftentimes in these lose-lose scenarios, which no matter what decision we make, it's going to disappoint people. And so I start thinking, well, if I just explain to them why we made this decision, if I just walk them through the scripture, if I just show them the theology, or if I just you know, tell them about the pastors, the other pastors we consulted, or the experts in our church, or the wise counsel that we thought that this would help them to understand why we made the decisions that we made, and this will change their minds. And again, I'm going to knowledge and information to try and control them. And that is not what it is for. It does not work. And so what ended up happening is I'm the one laying awake at night, full of anxiety, rehashing these arguments, thinking if I can just say it this way, if I can just say it this way, if I could just say it that way, that that would change their mind. It doesn't work. It just creates more anxiety in me. And it strained my relationship with them in the process. And so I think that that's actually a huge, huge step is just simply naming that this is actually what we are doing. Because too often we blame the thing. We say, well, it's because of the pandemic that I am responding this way. or It's because of this person in my life that I'm responding this way. And very often that is a piece of it. Yes. But what is making it arguably much worse is that you are trying to control this situation. And that is why you feel so horrible. And so really that ancient spiritual practice of self-examination is so huge in moments like that. The more we seek the illusion of control, the more it tends to betray us. And we're talking with Sharon Hottie Miller today at SWS Radio. She and her husband lead Bright City Church in North Carolina. She has a PhD. She's written for Relevant and Christianity Today. She reads Truth. and She actually wrote a new book called The Cost of Control. And Sharon, you break down the fact that God doesn't give us control, but he gives us the power to influence ourselves, the power to influence our circumstances and others. And so what's a better way to think about control when we're trying to influence better? Yeah. So towards the end of the book, I looked at how God does not give us control, but he does give us agency. And what you just described is this power to influence ourselves and to influence, you know, the world around us, you know, partnering with him. And another way I would define agency is simply power with limits. 
you know, control bucks against limits. It, it wants absolute authority. You know, we want to be able to assert our will without limitations, but agency understands the God-given limitations that we have. And so what are the different forms of agency that God has given us? And he's actually given us a bunch. We see a lot in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And one of them I've already just named, the power to self-examine, to search yourself. And we don't think of that as like a really powerful action, but it's super duper important to just pause and ask, like, why am I doing this? You know, this is something that God actually invites Adam and Eve to do after they reach for control by eating that fruit is they hide. And he says, where are you? And this is a rhetorical question. God knows where they are. He is not confused. They are not lost to him. That is a question that he is inviting them to ask themselves is where am I? How did I get to this place? Why do I feel this way? And when we are swirling, you know, in that cycle of anxiety and control, sometimes the most important thing for us to do is to stop and to examine ourselves. Like, why am I reacting this way? What lie am I believing about the power that I have over this situation or, you know, over this person? And so that's actually a really, really important form of agency. Another really important form of agency is the power to honor and restore our human limitations. You know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they don't have control, but they're not robots. They're not puppets. They're not slaves. God gives them power. He empowers them and he commissions them, but not absolutely. He doesn't say just do whatever you want. He gives them boundaries and that is actually for their freedom and for their good. We live in a culture that believes freedom is just no one can tell me what to do. I can do whatever you want. I'm, I'm unconstrained. And we simply do not see that in the garden. As soon as Adam and Eve reach for more knowledge than God has granted them. It's immediately overwhelming to them and, and too much for them. And so another really important form of agency in a world where we are inundated with bad news, where we are inundated with social media, where we are inundated with outrage and our souls cannot bear it. And that is why we feel anxious all the time is to practice agency by restoring limits, by saying, I'm only going to spend this much time on my phone. I am choosing not to have the news on all the time. I'm only going to ingest news between this time of day and this time of day. Having these boundaries with knowledge and information will actually help our anxiety big picture. And that is super important. We're talking about the cost of control today with Sharon Hottie Miller on SOS Radio. It's interesting when we think we control things, a lot of times you realize that actually the problem is more you than it's about someone else that you think you need to control. And you dig in, in your book, one of the things that grabbed my attention was like how we often put the blame on other things and other processes and other people. And then you realize, no, you have to start by actually ordering your own time and your own attention and your own schedule if you even want to understand where you fall in the mix of lack of control. (laughs) Another form of agency that we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is naming and ordering. And I've already talked a little bit about just the power of of naming and, and understanding, you know, what is really happening inside of you. But to give you a snapshot of what my life was like during the pandemic, so I have three young children. 
which means our house is super duper loud all the time. And when we were, you know, at home all the time, I felt trapped by this. I felt completely out of control. And so my way of trying to control my children was, okay, if you're going to be loud, I'm going to be louder. I can be louder than you. And so I was yelling at my kids a lot in order to control them and, and basically to dominate them, which also meant, side note, I was apologizing to my kids <laughs> a lot during that time. But one way that I discovered that I could exercise my agency rather than exert control over my kids was by ordering our home a little bit better, not controlling our home, but just ordering it. And so one small change that, that we made was to simply give our kids a schedule and that didn't fix everything. You know, it didn't make my kids quiet all of a sudden, but it actually really, really helped them to know how the day was going to go. And so by ordering our home a little bit more, by, you know, ordering the chaos, I wasn't controlling it, but it really helped a lot. And so there's a lot of times where our inclination is to control when what is really needed is just a better system. We all hear the phrase, let go and let God. And sometimes I wonder, like, is that fully an application that applies to a modern era? Or was that ever biblical in the first place? And we're talking with Sharon Hottie Miller today at Swiss Radio. You know, Moses was obedient to God's calling. And, you know, when he approached Pharaoh to ask, hey, let the Israelites go. And King David confidently went up against Goliath. And Peter stepped off the boat by faith. And Jesus allowed him to walk on water. But Sharon, what does God desire for us to do when we've just exhausted all of our resources? When that happens, first of all, I want to speak grace over everyone listening right now. Because whenever we feel the desire to control, at least for me, I felt a lot of guilt about that, that I shouldn't control, that that is pride, that I am trusting myself over God, my will over God's will, that that is sin. And that was really the only category that I ever had for control. But the reality is part of the reason that we struggle with control is that we are living in a Genesis 3 world but we were created for Genesis 1 and 2. And so when you are craving security, when you are craving stability, when you are craving, you know, wholeness for somebody that you love instead of destruction, those are good desires. And those desires were put in you by God. When we look to Genesis 1 and 2, we see that we were actually created for stability and security. And so when you're longing for that, that is your soul crying back for, for that world that we were created for. And so to know that, that control is not always about arrogance or, or pride or sin or idolatry, but it's sometimes that you're actually echoing the voice of your heavenly father, that, that he desires for security and stability for you as well. And at the end of the day, that is why he sent his son was to rescue us. And so I take a lot of comfort in knowing that there are times where we simply cannot control what is happening. And that is a reason to grieve and that we can feel sorrow and we can feel lament, especially when it's a loved one that is making a decision that we do not want to make. And to know that if I try to control that situation, it's not going to heal it. 
the way that I think that it will, because I cannot, I don't have that capacity, but I take a lot of hope in knowing that this is not the end of my story. This is not the end of their story that we follow a savior who is resurrected. And at the end of the day, I can entrust the resurrecting savior to do that work in this situation as well. You know, when a marriage is torn apart or when a friendship just sort of gets on shaky ground, we all wish we could just kind of like control the situation and make things peaceful or make them good. You know, if you notice that control can actually serve in any way to fix a broken relationship? Really, I would say no. You can't control another person. Now, that doesn't mean you don't take steps to say that you have a person who's struggling with alcoholism and you want to try and and get them into rehab. You know, there's definitely steps that you can take to try to help them. But I know that especially for loved ones of people that are struggling with addiction, one of the things that support groups say that you really have to reconcile yourself to at the beginning is that you cannot actually control them. You cannot make them get sober. And if you try to control them, if you try to take all these steps to, you know, make sure that they, you know, don't mess up. And and this also applies to maybe your spouse has been unfaithful or has betrayed your trust in some way. If you switch into vigilance, where you think it is my job to make sure that this does not happen again. Unfortunately, that is a guarantee that you cannot ensure. It's, it's impossible. But what ends up happening in the meantime is you start to strain your relationship with that person in the process. And so it does not give you the outcome that you want And it actually costs you in your relationship in the end as well. And so that is so, so hard. It is so, so painful in the middle of it. And I get that. I totally, totally get that. But to know when we look at, especially in Genesis, we see these relationships again and again where people are trying to engineer these outcomes. You know, Sarah is such a great example where God said, we are, I'm going to give you all these descendants that as numerous as the stars. And at some point, Sarah starts to think, well, I need to help. I need to help make this come about. And that's when you get this huge mess where she goes to Abraham and says, well, you know, why don't you have a child with our servant and just the mess of that whole situation and the relational and generational fallout of that decision. And so, yes, you know, do what you can to help the people that you love. But at the end of the day, if you are believing the lie that you can engineer an outcome or you can protect something from happening, then you have ventured into the realm of control and that will only ever do damage. I think that's a really good breakdown, Sharon, because we want to control the situations and we feel like I have to push this or I have to manipulate this. It's like right. one or two ends of the pendulum and it's like, you know what? I don't really have the ability to control or force or make another person do something. But when I break it down, I'm trying to do that at the expense of changing myself. Right. Yeah. 100%. And then maybe that's where the pride comes in. <laughs> But it really is like, I just want to, I'm sure there are people listening who are in that place right now. And it is so, so painful. 
And that is why it's it's so important for us to self-examine and to bring it to God and to give it to him and to feel his tender, tender compassion for us in that instead of responding with control. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media. 